Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We got a ton to get to on today's show. As always, it's been kind of a crazy week across the NFL. We had maybe the game of the year last night between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Uh, Chiefs prevail in overtime on a walk-off touchdown by Travis Kelsey. He went absolutely bananas to repay his his fantasy teams back for those back-to-back 27-yard performances. COVID is still running wild across the league with more than 100 players being placed on the list this week. But the fantasy playoffs push on and you have to find a way to set a lineup. So we're going to do our best to try to help you guys get set up and try to navigate some of this chaos across the NFL on today's show. Uh, Kate is out this week, so it's just me and Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Justice, let's start with this Thursday night football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. Um you know, I'm kind of running on fumes right now. Uh, you know, working for Arrowhead Pride, we had a late night, but it was a fun night. It, it felt like it was the first time all season where you were like, "Okay, I feel convinced now." Like I feel convinced by the Kansas City Chiefs in that performance. Granted, you have to kind of give it a caveat and say, like, well, the offense really took off when Derwin James got hurt and left that game for the Los Angeles Chargers, but. As far as that game goes, man, the Kansas City Chiefs just went nuts. Their big-time players showed up in big-time moments and made plays. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill went absolutely crazy. They combined for 22 catches for 339 yards and three scores, including that walk-off overtime touchdown by Travis Kelsey. Your initial thoughts coming out of this game and just the impact that it's going to have on the playoffs. No, I agree with you. I mean, Kelsey coming up, I think, was big. Um, that looked really looked like the first time Kelsey was like totally healthy. Like even in that green Bay game, he didn't look right. Um, so I don't know what he was dealing with earlier in the year and how, how much that set him back. But if they can get fully healthy, you know, Kelsey fully healthy Tyreek, I know Mahomes was still doing some weird stuff. Like there was that, what was it? The fourth down play where he just dirted it. And then like the two point conversion, um, where he had a guy wide open in the flat and was like, I'm not, I'm not even trying to throw that again. And it's like, whoa, that's a little weird. But it seems like things are coming along with Kansas City. I know they're a little banged up on the defensive side, but the fact that they have like actual pass rushers, like Melvin Ingram was making a difference in that game. Um, I know there's backup tackles in, but I don't know. 
I, I, I now am like kind of convinced that Kansas City's for sure a top two AFC team at the very least. Yeah, and, and that's the way they've been trending. But there was kinds of there were several things over that six game win streak headed into last night where you could point to like, oh, they caught a break here, they caught a break there. But them not having Chris Jones, uh, Legarius Sneed being out, Willie Gay being out, those are all high impact players. Chris Jones, arguably their best defensive player, most impactful defensive player, and. I was really impressed with Spags last night because Spags said, I don't care that we're playing Herbert. I don't give a damn. We are dialing up blitzes and we are trying to get after him. And, and he was doing it all night long. And it was a weird game. Uh, I, I think that there is something to like Patrick Mahomes had the yips a, a little bit last night when it came to some of those screen passes because the Chargers we're reading them the entire way. And it even cost him an interception deep in their own territory, which led to an Austin Eckler touchdown. And I, I think some of it is like this overcorrection from the chiefs offense where early in the season just could not get things figured out, turning the football over at a crazy rate. So they slowed things down, started manufacturing screens, more short passing game, get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quick to try to mitigate some of those turnovers and then last night we kind of saw that hit a brick wall where Mahomes was kind of scared and had a couple of just terrible throws. And even after the game, he was just like, yeah, it was just a terrible, terrible throw. And I have to hit those things that that overcorrection kind of hit a wall. And then in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs just said, all right, we don't care anymore. Like, let's just get outside the pocket and make plays and just get the ball at Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and let them go nuts. And, and they did it. it. It was an incredible football game, thrilling football game, like all the way up to the end. Yeah. What the missed throws kind of reminded me of was the first year of Rodgers under LaFleur, um, where if you if people don't remember, like Rodgers was missing a lot of these RPO throws too. It's, it's kind of weird because it's like a chemistry throw. Um and it really has to be precise. I mean, you're trying to hit a guy on the move who has basically no room for error in terms of being able to catch that ball, turn around, and get upfield. Um, I, I think that's probably something that comes with time, honestly. Like these, even even though you know Mahomes did dirt that throw. Um, what's his name? I can't remember who the receiver was. He he was in motion, full speed. It you know what I mean, Hartman, McCall. Yeah. So like those type of things. I, I do wonder, like, do those get better? Is that when you see, like, continuity, system, chemistry at wide receiver? Like, is that when that gets better? The, the funny thing to me, I don't know if you've seen the discourse. I, I follow a lot of people in, like, coaching Twitter, I guess is the way to kind of put it. Holy crap, the fourth down discourse today is as bad as I thought it was going to be. The Chargers were two of five on fourth downs, you would have thought that they went like, oh, oh, for 10. One of those, one of those fourth downs too, was Justin Herbert just getting a ball batted on RPO. Like, I, I, I don't think it was the coaching staff guys. Some of those, it's a, it's a player issue. Players do mess up sometimes. It's okay to call them out on it. The other thing too, is like the Chargers were saying, Hey, we want to be aggressive. We need to get points on the board. This game had 900 offensive yards. The, the over hit it's it's not like the chargers were in a like you know low scoring battle and they were treating it like a high scoring game it was a high scoring game 
they knew they knew what it took to win. They went two of five. If they go three of five, they probably win. If if, if uh, Justin Herbert doesn't get an RPO batted, they probably win this game. I, I don't understand why why people are complaining about this. Like, is is it just something to argue about? Like, they they let Travis Kelsey just like catch and run all over them. No one brings that up, but we're talking about fourth down conversions. Come on, get real. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk about their tackling uh, on Travis Kelsey because he he made them look foolish late in that game. But that was going to be the conversation coming out of this, right? That their failed fourth down attempts. And I always side with being aggressive. I always side with trying to score points because based on the numbers, you want to give yourself the highest percentage chance to win football games, and that generally means going forward in those opportune situations. But again, at times, this was a weird football game, like Mahomes dirting that throw to McCole Hardman for no reason and the Chargers failing to pick up those fourth down calls. So I'm not surprised that's where the conversation went this morning, but it's dumb. I, I totally agree with Brandon Staley's approach. Like, it's you, you don't beat the Chiefs by field goals. Like, you, you got to score touchdowns, and they went in that game knowing this is for the AFC West. Like, this is... A, a game changing outcome if we get these touchdowns. And so I always tend to agree with that approach and I'm totally fine with it, but that was always going to turn into the conversation this morning. I feel like we do have to talk about Jacksonville Jaguars, former head coach urban Meyer. And you know, we do NFL university on Wednesdays and we were talking about this, a little bit and how everything was kind of coming to a head there in Jacksonville. And then the Josh Lambeau uh, getting kicked by urban story came out and Josh Lambeau did an interview. And that was kind of the final straw where they finally said, okay, we have to move on. And it's kind of been a, a beautiful disaster in Jacksonville for, for urban Meyer, but I mean, we just I, I just had to talk to you about it because especially our show on Wednesday, we have really talked about Urban Meyer a lot this season and it was inevitable. It was the right move and it can only do good things for the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward. Like depending on their next hire, I don't feel like there's any coach you could hire who could possibly be worse than Urban Meyer was this season. He seemed like he had no clue. And he was very bad at hiding that fact. Basically, I mean, it, it seemed like real early on. I mean, even in the preseason, um, I, I had forgotten this point until he would he was canned. But when the whole uh, the the woman in uh, Ohio who who was grinding up on him and his him and his wife's steakhouse, when he came back and they were like, "Why why do you take a trip to Ohio?" and he had brought up that like Trevor had done the same for. Uh, his his what was it his wedding or engagement i can't remember which one it was that that was probably a turning point and i had forgotten about that completely because of so many things that happened with urban meyer um i have a couple points here one shouts to shot Khan. um we we i was saying like maybe urban is like too big to fail right like we we, we might have a government bailout so that the jacksonville jaguars can move on from their quarterback i had talked to um Someone who would know about how much it would cost to move on from basically this coaching staff onto another coaching staff. And the collective cost is probably somewhere around like $150 million. So that's what this cost. 
um, the 13 games of Urban Meyer. Shouts to Shad Khan for, you know, being able to identify this is a problem and we definitely need to make a change. But goodness gracious, uh, what a bad hire. <laughs> Pro- profoundly bad hire, um, which probably doesn't give a lot of confidence out there. The other thing, have, have you read uh, Shad Khan's statement? He lit Urban up in the most, like, ownery way possible. Um, so I'll read it right now. After deliberation over many weeks and a thorough analysis of the entirety of Urban's tenure with our team, I am bitterly disappointed to arrive at the conclusion that an immediate change is imperative for everyone. I informed Urban of the change this evening. As I stated in October, regaining our trust and respect was essential. Regrettably, it did not happen. Just lighting the guy on fire on the way out. The other thing, too, uh, my buddy uh, Demetrius Harvey, who works for Big Cat Country for us, said uh, Daryl Bevel said that Urban Meyer left before last night's meeting and never returned. No one knew what happened until late last night. They game planned without him. And then it was confirmed by Mike Dempsey from uh, 1010XL, which is a uh, radio station in Jacksonville. I've been told that Urban often left by 5 p.m., and turned off his phone and was unreachable by the coaching staff. <laughs> this is a mess, dude. This guy, he he literally looked at this. He must have looked at this as like a retire, like early retirement, right? Yeah. It, I don't think he knows what he signed up for at all. It, it's as if he thought like, oh, you know, there's no recruiting in the NFL and I can just go out there and everybody in the NFL is talented and super athletic and I've always won everywhere I've ever been. So if I go into the NFL, we're just going to be good and I don't even have to work that hard. That is just simply not the way it works in this league. Uh, Yeah, you don't have to recruit, but there's a reason we hear all these stories of like, Coaches sleeping at facilities and working 18 hours a day, combing over film and, and stuff like that, because it's hard to be successful in the NFL. And Urban Meyer was never interested in being successful in the NFL, like clearly showed over and over again that he just did not care. He was never into developing young players and trying to make them better. And this is the best move for Jacksonville, because you have a young potential franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who has basically had a, a wasted rookie season because of the decision that you made with your coaching staff. And I don't think I've ever seen a coaching hire where it was almost universally agreed upon. This was a terrible, terrible move. And that it actually was legitimately the worst coaching hire I think I've ever seen in NFL history. Like it played out exactly how everyone knew that it was going to play out. And Jacksonville did it anyway. So, I mean, Bobby Petrito, when he left after 13 games, left for a college job. I don't think Urban can get a college job right now between all the things that have popped up since. Um, just complete mismanagement, man. And he's disgraced. Uh, yeah. do, do you think he watched the sunrise? Because they fired they fired him at like midnight Eastern. I had to wake up my buddy, uh, John Shipley, who was uh, he, he he covers the Jags for Sports Illustrated. I legit had to call him because I was like, it's 10 o'clock Pacific time. I know he's asleep. So I had to call him, wake him up. And he thought I was yanking his leg at first. He was like, dude, don't stop. Let me at least get some sleep. This has been a chaotic (laughs) tenure. Like I can't even sleep at night. You're messing with me. And I'm like, dude, check Twitter. Check. Like once you get to check Twitter, it's bad. 
Yeah, it was about midnight here in Kansas City. I got a notification, and I record these NFL update pods for the SB Nation NFL show. And I was like, this team, this organization, got to get up at midnight and re-record this whole intro because they decided to fire Urban in the middle of the night instead of during normal business hours like they should have months ago. But we'll, we'll get into kind of the... Jaguars weapons moving forward. Really the only guy that you're worried about is James Robinson. And I, I think this, this free, free my man, man, yes. he's been through a lot. Uh, this, this can only up his fantasy value. Uh, so we'll talk about James Robinson here in a little bit on the show, but really the biggest story of the week and what's been just kind of a crazy week uh, across the NFL is COVID-19 Uh Cases are going up across the country, and the NFL is absolutely included in that. Over 100 players this week have been placed on the reserve COVID list across the league. It is drastically impacting some of these football games. The Browns, Rams, and the Washington football team have all been just absolutely decimated. Um, you know, we can start with this Browns Raiders game on Saturday. Yeah, we have Saturday football this week. So it's a short week for the Cleveland Browns and they are just getting absolutely lit up by COVID-19 right now. Uh, Baker Mayfield's likely not going to be available. Kevin Stefanski's not going to be available. Uh, multiple key defenders not going to be available for the Cleveland Browns offensive linemen. Like it, it, it's just an absolute train wreck. To the point where if you're in the fantasy playoffs and you got Cleveland Browns, I'm sorry. Uh, You'll play Nick Chubb. And then outside of that, I'm not going near this game if I can avoid it because it's just a total train wreck on Saturday. It's always a bad sign when the players are on Twitter openly asking to not play the game. Yeah. So that's always bad. When Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, all these guys are like, how about we just don't play? on Saturday and it's a national spotlight game too. The the reason the NFL only plays on Saturdays after the college football season ends is because there's like actual law that's like is preventing the NFL from playing games on Saturday. Otherwise the NFL would also gobble up Saturday football. So they look at this as like, we get extra like standalone national games, right? They're not going to pass that up, especially this late in the season. I thought it was interesting. The union um, was talking about, potentially just taking a week off and basically saying just give everyone in the league an extended bye week um or an extra bye week and, and then we'll reevaluate from there they have since changed the covid rules for players who test positive um if you're vaccinated basically the the old rule was you have to get two po- or two negative tests 24 hours apart um and then have no symptoms and then you can return to the field now it's immediate there's there's no 24 hours apart it's like you test positive, you can start testing immediately again. And then the moment that you test negative, you can get back on the field as long as you're asymptomatic. So it seems like the NFL is worried about this. And I don't blame them because we've seen this skyrocket. What there, It was like two days ago, there were three teams that had like 15. And now there's a team that has like 25. Um, yeah, this stuff is just out there. And that's one of the things, too, is like I understand the union's fighting for their people and all that stuff. I don't know what a bye week necessarily does because are we sure this isn't just going to be the same case in a week? Like it's out there, man. Yeah. And yeah, they updated those to, you know, obviously they want to play football games and they're worried about the money. And that's what this is all about when it comes down to it. But 
I totally understand the players' reaction to this and, and the issues that they have with it. I mean, for the Browns, it sucks. They're on the playoff yeah. bubble. Yeah, the the Browns are fighting for a playoff spot, and you know this is a team that came into the season with high expectations and was widely considered one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. And they've had a lot of injury issues. They've been up and down, but they're still in the playoff race. And they're about to play a, a game on Saturday without like w- without like 85% of their key players. Like I mean, I mean, think about what 25 players means, right? There's 16 guys on the practice squad. So you're having to call up more guys than you even have on the practice squad. You're having to sign. You're probably going to have to sign guys off of the street. That that's a real tough position to be in. And then with the new testing thing, then you can't even like really plan ahead because you're like testing that day, you know. So you yeah. don't even get like a day's heads up of like who can even potentially test positive on on Saturday. It's just completely open ended. I mean, there's just so many issues, and then stuff like you just wake up in the morning and you're like, okay. Taylor Heineke's on the COVID list. And it's like, that's not even a headline because there'll be like three more COVID releases before then or or after then throughout the day. So it's like, I don't know, man. I just, I guess like if there's one positive thing, it's that this Omicron uh, variant seems like it's a whole lot less serious. Um, So maybe it's just like, Hey, let's just get this out of the way. And then hopefully by the playoffs, you know, we get some consistency, but it's even tough to like so I put down money on on the Raiders uh on Monday morning before a lot of this stuff was coming out. And I just feel bad for people because like so I got Raiders line of value, whatever. I mean, that's a very small thing in, in the overall landscape of this. But like imagine if you're like a Browns better and like the NFL is trying to be a gambling league, and I just don't know like how how can you trust? Uh, what you're putting money on until like 30 minutes before game time because this stuff is just popping up. We saw, what was it, the Rams game last week? Wasn't it Jalen Ramsey? It was like basically like they were going through their walkthroughs and then they were like, yeah, Jalen Ramsey can't play today. Yeah, it was Ramsey and Tyler. You don't you don't got, know who's going to come into the, the games. Yeah, they got placed on the COVID list right before kickoff. The whole right. reason that we have injury reports is for gambling so that people know who is going into the game and that there's a level of integrity there. So, like, with with all this stuff, I don't know. It, it's very tough to kind of get early money on some of these guys and, like, trust it. I mean, it's it's Friday right now, so you feel a little bit better about it now. But, like, Monday betting, I, I feel like right now in, like, the winter months, that that's probably not the way to roll. Yeah, and that's why it's – I mean, the best you can try to do if you're in the fantasy playoffs and you're fighting for your life – uh is just try to avoid these matchups if at all possible. But even then you don't know because like the Rams were doing okay earlier in the week. And then they kind of caught up to the Cleveland Browns in terms of positive tests. And all of a sudden over the last couple of days, the Rams are right up there with the Browns and the Washington football team. And I don't want to assume anything, but like we still got a couple of days to go. And as we saw last week, when those guys got added, like basically pregame, like there's a, a strong chance that that could absolutely happen. And you just don't have a player. Like you don't have a quarterback or you don't have your starting running back or a wide receiver and you don't have anybody to replace them. Like it's, it's basically impossible to navigate. And 
I it, it's brutal on gambling and fantasy, but that's the world we live in, and we got to try to figure that out. But let's get to our first NFL Reacts poll of the day. Which AFC team still in the playoff hunt is the biggest surprise? Denver Broncos leading the way, 58% of the vote. The Cincinnati Bengals, 34% of the vote. And the Browns at 8% of the vote. I I would agree that the Broncos should be number one on this list. I'm kind of surprised that the Bengals are are number two on this, just based on how they've played this season and how how their offense has looked at times. I agree, too. I mean, Denver, you got to remember kind of like where we were at. It, It feels like years ago at this point that the Denver Broncos when they when they started at three and no um but they they had beaten the Giants the Jaguars and Jets people were talking about their defense I was telling people you know hold on to your horses they still have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback they're still playing in the AFC West no one knew like how how deep the drop was going to be in Kansas City before they figured out you know their defensive side of the ball and then they lost four straight I think at that point, a lot of people fell off the bandwagon, but they had that upset win over the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they'd be, they've beaten the Chargers since then. They've beaten Washington, which is now a, you know still a borderline you know playoff team. Um, so th- I, I, I do agree. Like Denver is probably the one team where it kind of felt like that, that Ravens game where Fangio MF'd uh, John Harbaugh for, for trying to get break 100 rushing yards. And then they lose four straight um, was kind of the tipping point, but they've been able to kind of rally around each other and, and stay in this race. Um, it's interesting because the number one and number two team, the Broncos and Bengals, are playing each other this week. So one of that that feels kind of like a loser leaves town match. But the problem is it's the damn AFC. So like both of them still very well could make the playoffs despite losing this game and going down to like five hundred. And Actually, I want to get into this other Saturday game, the New England Patriots against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Damian Harris has been limited in practice with a hamstring injury. Uh, if he goes, I think you have to play Damian Harris this week. If he doesn't, Ramondre, Steven, Ramondre Stevenson all of a sudden becomes a, a huge play. Uh, this game has serious implications in that AFC race. If the Patriots drop this game to the Colts, the Kansas City Chiefs will all of a sudden have the number one overall seed in the AFC. And it took a long time to get here for the Kansas City Chiefs, but this is a, a pretty big playoff game, and the Colts have been playing really well as of late. So this game not quite as affected by COVID heading into the weekend, and, and it should have strong playoff implications, and it's got some strong fantasy and gambling implications as well. I think this is going to be a fun game. Like this, this is one of the more underrated, like in terms of watchability games of the weekend, I would think um, the Patriots have been playing really just bully football uh, for, for the majority of the season. And there's not a lot of teams that can kind of match up with their, I guess you would say physicality. The Colts aren't a team that's going to back down. I mean, you, you want to run the ball and, and getting to a running game. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's right there, and Naheem Hines is is one of the best, you know, change of pace backs in a change of pace role um, in the league. So I think this is going to be a fun one. It'll be interesting to see if it does come down to the quarterbacks, because if it does, getting a, getting a uh, read on, like, Mac Jones or Carson Wentz, who's actually better as a, like, quarterback w- when you kind of need a quarterback to make a play, 
Wentz could win that. I mean, he's kind of like a, a more of like a variance quarterback than Mac, just kind of being steady Eddie. But he's also the type of guy who's going to make plays, you know. And and Mac doesn't necessarily do that right now, especially with the weapons he has. Yeah, Carson Wentz can totally make plays. He's for sure going to give you a miraculous turnover. Like he's good for one of those per game, but I would take him like if I needed a quarterback to make a play at this point, it would probably be Carson Wentz over Mac Jones just because of, you know, where where he's at as a rookie and yeah, that kind of like game manager philosophy that the Patriots are using. But this should definitely be a, a good game between two solid defenses and, and the running backs are going to come up huge. So I, I want whichever Patriots running back is available. I think if Damian Harris goes, obviously he's got to be in your lineup with the way he's been playing recently. But I still think that Ramondre Stevenson's got some value, even in a uh, tough matchup. And obviously Jonathan Taylor's going into your lineup. Uh, the Tennessee Titans offense is just hard to buy into right now. AJ Brown's on IR. He's not going to be available this week. Julio Jones made his return last week, but had a limited snap count. Ryan Tannehill just has not been very good this season, and I, I understand they're coming off of a shutout, but I'm trying to avoid this offense in my fantasy playoffs if I absolutely can. Uh, Deontay Foreman, I guess, is the running back that you want in this game. He's getting a lot of the early down work, but they're essentially just using a three-man committee now, and it is a decent matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I have zero faith in this Titans offense at the moment. At least, you know, may maybe in a few weeks we're looking at them differently if A.J. Brown's healthy and, you know, there's speculation that Derrick Henry could be available for the playoffs and stuff like that. But right now, with my fantasy season on the line, I do not want to start any Tennessee Titans. That's a perfectly fair assessment of this game. The, the line right now is a pick em. The books are basically saying, like, hey, your guess is as good as ours at this point. I mean, it's literally a coin flip. I don't think the Steelers are a good team. I, I think, gun to my head, I'm picking Tennessee here. Um, but we got that comment uh, from from a uh, Titans fan who was saying, you know, on NFL University, we were talking about the Titans and we're talking about how, you know, they've lost momentum and, and you know, we're not so sure that, that these guys are all going to get healthy for that playoff run. They said, you know, NFL University is about to get taken to school by the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Let's just be very clear. Like the, the the referendum on the Titans is not going against a six six and one Pittsburgh Steelers team. It's going to be winning playoff games. I think they could, you know, they're still going to sneak into the playoffs. It's going to be hard for them not to. Um, already having, you know, being nine and four in this AFC, where like you could be five hundred going into that last week of the season, and you still might have a chance to win. So they might have like a playoff spot locked up already even if it doesn't you know show on you know mathematically it's not locked up at the end of the season nine wins could get you in uh off of that alone but i'm i'm not buying this titans team the the whole ryan Tannehill thing always felt a little like jared goffey to me if if that's fair where it's like i feel like this guy's just getting boosted off of play action and the fact that like derrick henry is back there and you can't replicate derrick henry with anyone else in the league. He, he is one of one. He is a running back who matters. I don't care about the people who say running backs don't matter. Um, he, he, when he's able to run inside, they run an ISO, they use fullbacks. They're still like a very old school team. Like they were basically kind of built out of like that 
Stanford mold, right? Like the the Jim Harbaugh, San Francisco 49ers too. That's probably as close as we've gotten to seeing a team like Tennessee. I guess I guess New England is kind of like one of them now, but um, I just do not buy this Tennessee Titans, Titans team as like a real contender in the AFC. And if we're getting taken to school, like show me, show me, show well, me. And and so that's the thing too is that even if they get Derrick Henry back and AJ Brown is back, like obviously those guys are, are both very special players. But Ryan Tannehill wasn't playing very well before the Derrick Henry injury. Like Derrick Henry was going absolutely crazy and was, you know, on pace to to go for another 2K this season if he continued that 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 wrecking ball pace that he was on. But Tannehill, yeah, he's always been successful in Tennessee off of the play action, off of the fact that he has Derrick Henry in that backfield. And it wasn't really working as well early in the season. So it's not just the injuries, those help, but the offense wasn't moving the ball very well or, or really like hitting a lot of those deep shots that they have over the last couple of years early in the season. So it's kind of hard to buy into them. Um, I am kind of in, in a desperation move. If I had to, I would put Ben Roethlisberger in my fantasy lineup in the playoffs because Ben's got multiple touchdowns uh, over the last couple of games. He's been playing better. Like he's coming on a little bit as the Steelers are trying to make a playoff push. He still has zero mobility and he's still super limited as a quarterback, but the Steelers do have weapons. They do have pass catchers that, that can have a high fantasy impact. And, and we're seeing that too. Pat Fryer moves having a fantastic rookie season. Like, we saw what they did against the Vikings and the Titans secondary is kind of on par with the Vikings. Like you can throw on them. And I think Pittsburgh's going to have a chance to put up some points in this game. I do not doubt your fantasy analysis. You are much better at fantasy than I am. And you think about it a whole lot more than I do. I am worried about our football league when we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> might be a start in your fantasy playoffs. I'm very worried. My NFL, it's very sick. Please help. I don't love it. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't volunteer to do it, but I'm just saying, like in a pinch, uh there there's some opportunity there for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh another player who's coming off of the best game of his career, Seattle Seahawks running back Rashad Penny. Uh the COVID-19 plague, I guess, across the NFL did not miss the Seattle Seahawks. Tyler Lockett, who has been absolutely fantastic since Russell Wilson came back, uh, has been placed on the COVID list. Strong chance he's not going to be available this weekend. I would have to assume that in a tough matchup uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, the Seattle Seahawks are going to have to throw the ball. They're going to need a big play uh, or a big game from Russell Wilson in this one. So obviously you're putting DK Metcalf in your lineup, despite his recent struggles, because without Tyler Lockett in this game, DK should be set up to, to have a big performance or at the very least get a lot of targets, but the Rams run defense has been pretty solid all season long, but with all these injuries, with all the COVID cases and, and stuff like that, Rashad Penny, like if Pete's going to feed Rashad Penny and you got him on waivers this week, I think you got to put him into your lineup. Pete's just an old school ball coach and he wants to run the ball. He wants to hashtag establish it. It is what it is. Um, I, I think Penny, Penny still has some upside for running back who was drafted as high as he has and has produced as little as he has. 
it'll be interesting, man, because like this is going to be a big game, I think, for him kind of moving forward. If you if you want a spot for, you know, there, there's a lot of teams right now that are basically outside of the playoff race. And it's like, well, what are we even fighting for? This team does still seem like they have some fight in them. Russell Wilson is doing the whole like it, we already saw the uh, rumors about him. Like, all right, here, here might be his list of teams that he might want to go to. Like he wants to be a winner. Um, DK Metcalf, you know, got ejected out of a game for fighting and then uh, said in the post game, like, hey, why were you kicked out? He said, I'm tired of losing. Right. And now he's the only wide receiver on the field. Rashad Penny is going to be looking at, you know, a future contract down the line. There's still some fight here on the offensive side of the ball. And I guess that's your saving grace if, if you know, you have any sort of stake in the Seattle Seahawks keeping up with the Rams. Yeah, I mean, with the Seahawks defense being as bad as it's been this season, I would have to imagine that the Rams are going to have no problem putting up points in this game. But we know Pete, and we know Pete wants to run the football. So I, I think Rashad Penny's going to have a big opportunity. Like if you're, say, let's say, an Elijah Mitchell owner, and you weren't lucky enough to scoop up Jeff Wilson last week uh, when it was announced that Elijah Mitchell wasn't going to play. He still has yet to practice this week. And, and it's as we get closer and closer to the weekend, it, it's seeming like Elijah Mitchell might not be available for the 49ers. Rashad Penny is a guy that I would pivot to if he's available in your league, because I, he's going to get the attempts at, at least. And, and that's all we're really hoping for at this point. But Let's take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll get into the Panthers quarterback by committee approach, I, I guess. And then uh, Dak Prescott has kind of been more down than up lately. We'll discuss if you should be worried about Dak throwing him into your lineup as an automatic start the way you normally do. And we'll get to our pick three, get you set up in your DraftKings lineup. That's coming up next on NFL Reacts. <laughs> Y'all about to get ready to roll, man. So y'all put the kids to bed. I'm betting one more. Over. Under. I'm betting on myself. Across the board. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., Justice, the Cam Newton experiment hasn't gone as well as I think some of us would have hoped, uh, rejoining the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold's probably not going to go this week. He hasn't been cleared for contact yet, but he has been activated off of injured reserve, so he may be back at some point. And then head coach Matt Rule said that they might use like a committee-style approach at quarterback between Cam and P.J. Walker uh, with no Christian McCaffrey, I think you got to just bail on the Carolina Panthers the rest of the season, basically. I, I don't think you can trust anybody in this offense to produce anymore. And that really sucks for a player like DJ Moore, who was having a decent season despite the struggles at quarterback. I think you just you got to avoid this offense in general. They fired Joe Brady. Now they're talking about a committee approach at quarterback. You just got to bail on the Panthers not trusting anyone on the offense. I don't know if I trust anyone in that building. Man. <laughs> like they just seem like they're flailing. Like everyone is just trying to save their jobs right now. I mean, their quarterback situation, it's tough to look at what they're doing right now and think confidently they have a plan and they are executing that plan. Right. Um, one of the interesting things, just kind of like moving forward, Matt rule at temple. So one, one thing, 
Matt Rule's Temple Owls. No one is more represented representative on a single team in the NFL than the Temple Owls on the Carolina Panthers. And that connection is Matt Rule being there and having coached those guys. With that being said, there's a quarterback in this upcoming draft, Kenny Pickett, who is kind of like Kirk Cousinsy, who was originally committed to Temple under Matt Rule before he then uh, committed to the Pittsburgh Panthers. I'm very worried this Carolina Panthers team is going to say, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to risk it all and bring Kenny Pickett back to Matt Rule. And I, I don't know if that's going to save them. Like I, I don't think they're a quarterback away. They seem like they're flailing. They seem like they have just no structure at all. I mean, they can their offensive coordinator after the bye week, like on like a Thursday. What the heck is going on here? I don't think that they have any plan. I think they keep running to the the uh, owner and saying, hey, this quarterback is going to be the one that, that actually makes things right. They've since spent, what, t- over $10 million on three different quarterbacks over two seasons, not even two full seasons. And they're going to have to make another decision on another one after, you know, Darnold does come back and, you know, he does Sam Darnold things. Yeah, I, I think you just got to you just got to bail. You just got to cut your losses. You already lost Christian McCaffrey for the season. And <laughs> there's just no direction right now with this Panthers team. Their offensive line's bad, too. So it, it's hard to trust Chuba Hubbard or Amir Abdullah, who's kind of splitting snaps with him now. I, I think you just got to avoid this Panthers offense altogether because they have not looked good and they've got a tough matchup against a a desperate for a win bills team it's just shaping up to be a really really ugly weekend for the carolina panthers we do have a bit of breaking news i was just announced saints head coach sean payton tested positive for covid19 now he is going to be out in this weekend's game uh, another COVID-19 edition, another blow. Uh, the saints have Sunday night football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. And we can go ahead and get into that matchup. Uh, obviously you're playing your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they're in my opinion, playing the best football of any team in the NFL right now. Their offense looks totally unstoppable, but the question marks that you had going into this game was kind of Taysom Hill and that rushing floor that he supplies for you in your fantasy lineups, which feels safe. I mean, even he had a hundred yard performance two weeks ago. And then last week he had, I think over 70 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Alvin Kamara came back, had 120 rushing yards and a touchdown. It's a reasonably tough matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think you can still play Hill and Kamara in this game. Although I'm a little weary of it without Sean Payton, I, I suppose, just because of the way he's going to dial up things for Taysom Hill. Uh, but I, I think at this point, if you made it in the fantasy playoffs and Taysom Hill is your starting fantasy quarterback, then you just got to roll with it and hope for the best. Yeah, I think that's what I would do. I mean, we're reacting live. I assume Pete Carmichael is going to call plays offensively for the New Orleans Saints. Um, he's kind of like the example of like why – the NFL coaching pipeline isn't just, hey, this guy's an offensive coordinator for a good quarterback. He's then going to be a head coach. He's been the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints since 2009. He's been in New Orleans since 2006 as a quarterback's coach. So this is a guy who, uh, you know, long term has been uh, under Sean Payton's wing. And I would assume that if he's there um, and he's calling plays, this offense is going to change a lot. So I, I would assume he's going to be able to execute that on game day. 
And I want to take another look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They've got a matchup against the Washington football team this weekend. And we already mentioned Washington being absolutely decimated by COVID this week. Taylor Heineke tested positive. He is not going to be available. Backup quarterback Kyle Allen still has a chance to possibly get cleared to play. But if he doesn't, it it sounds like third string quarterback uh, Kyle Shermer is going to get the start for the Washington football team. Oh, no. I know Kyle Shermer uh, in terms of what he's put on film before. That That's not good. I mean, <laughs> you're losing that football game. But it's a f- former practice squad quarterback for the Chiefs. Uh, spent some time here in Kansas City. But they got Tamu on, on the practice squad. Start Tamu. Tamu's better than <laughs> Tamu's better than Patrick Shermer. I promise you. So with all of that being said, I think think that I don't love Antonio Gibson this week. Um, Again, no, stay away. This is my stay away. Dude, Kyle Shermer might not crack a hundred yards. I promise you. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely ugly. The uh, Eagles also dealing with some injuries. Miles Sanders, it's got a tough matchup. Uh, Washington's defense has been better against the run than against the pass. Uh, Jordan Howard might return in this game. Miles Sanders still listed as questionable. He's been limited in practice all week, but seems to be trending in the right direction to play. Um, Devontae Smith has a good matchup against this secondary that's been beaten by wide receivers all year long. But with the Eagles kind of high rush approach in recent weeks and the fact that we're still kind of up in the air on Jalen Hurts, who's been splitting reps with Gardner Minshew this week because he's still dealing with an ankle injury. This game just looks like it's going to be garbage like it just looks like it's gonna be a bad football game but i would still put miles sanders in my lineup if he's got an opportunity to go here i I know gardner Minshew. even if he gets the start um i I think i'd still take a chance with Devontae smith because they're gonna pass a little bit more with Minshew possibly and you know Minshew was looking for goddard in his first start but i I think that Devontae smith is still their most talented wide receiver so if you got to take a chance on an eagles wide receiver Devontae smith's the guy that i would go with I think you're right on the uh, Miles Sanders thing. I mean, if once the Eagles get a lead, I, I don't know if Washington has the firepower to, to come back on that if their quarterbacks are out. So I guess that's probably something that, like, that's going to come down to, like, a game-time decision in terms of making some of these decisions. Um, but But I think you're spot on with the analysis there. I want to talk about, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. And we talked about this a a little bit on the Wednesday show. Uh, The Cowboys offense hasn't looked quite as explosive. And I think a lot of it has to do with Tyron Smith and his injuries that have been plaguing him all season long. Uh, Dak Prescott hasn't been playing as well as he was early in the season where he looked like he was playing at the highest level of his career for a while uh, earlier in the year. Now he's been kind of struggling in recent weeks. Uh, He's only thrown two touchdowns and three picks over his last two games. That's really not getting it done for you in your fantasy lineup, but it's a favorable matchup against the New York Giants, and you just have to assume that they're going to be able to score. Uh, Tony Pollard still questionable in this one. Small chance he plays, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be available, so Zeke's going to be that guy again. But even last week's game, like Zeke is clearly not healthy. He's not getting a bulk of the running back snaps like he normally would. And they're clearly trying to limit him to try to get him healthy for the playoffs for Dallas. Um, You know, you're playing your Dallas Cowboys weapons, but I'm a little bit worried. And if you're expecting like a monster performance from Dak Prescott, it hasn't quite been there recently, but 
I'd be shocked if you had another quarterback on your roster who's got more upside than Dak Prescott does. No, I agree with you fully. I think we talked about it on Wednesday that I really do think that Dak's foot is a little banged up and that's affecting his mobility. And you're seeing that on the field between the Zeke thing. I mean, I understand everyone wants to call Pollard like the RB one in Dallas. Um, I understand like he's getting a lot of the explosive plays, but Pollard needs to be matched up with a guy who can run the ball inside. And and that's who Zeke is. And the fact that he's banged up and you have to keep him on a limited pitch count that then kind of handicaps what you're able to do when, Pollard's in the game because it's you know pretty obvious he's going to be running outside and if you're using him in situations you don't necessarily want to be running outside it kind of tips the hand of the offense of like what you're going to end up doing and you can kind of like bait and trap them into something that they don't actually want to do their offense their offense just looks like they're kind of in a funk right now and and I do wonder if they even have a chance to get better you know for the playoffs like if if Dak's foot if his mobility isn't there in the playoffs, I don't know how they're going to be able to make it out of the NFC alive. Um, and that's, I mean, it's a damn shame and I'm not, I'm not blaming Dak for it. I mean, he's playing through his third injury of the season, but it just kind of sucks because you saw the potential and then it was like kind of ripped away a little bit, you know? Yeah. You, you can see it when you watch Dak Prescott, like he is not running at all anymore like he 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 knows that he can't do it and they're not trying to re-aggravate that entry like the cowboys just seem like they're really banged up uh but the upside is still going to be there on a weekly basis with this dallas cowboys offense so as much as you don't like it and you might not feel great about it i i still think that you have to operate business as usual with that offense uh Another offense that's got some question marks headed into Sunday is the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is out this week. They haven't said officially if he's going to miss the remainder of the regular season, but there was a report earlier in the week that it sounds like he's going to miss the remainder of the regular season with the hope that he can get healthy for the playoffs. Um, If you're a Hopkins owner, you know, if Rondale Moore is available in your fantasy leagues, I, I might go swoop him up and, and see how they try to utilize him moving forward because he's a guy who is likely available in a lot of your leagues. I think Christian Kirk gets the biggest boost here in the Cardinals passing game. Uh, he's been a big play threat all season long, been kind of up and down, inconsistent uh, for your fantasy lineups the way he kind of has been his entire career so far. But without DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup, I think he's going to get the biggest boost here because you're certainly not pivoting to A.J. Green, I, I don't think. A.J. Green's kind of you know showing some signs of life this season with the Arizona Cardinals. But if you had to target one pass catcher, it would be Christian Kirk, and I would definitely start him this week if I've got him. This is going to be an interesting game, I think, to see what the Cardinals team is capable of in the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, there's been so much happening in the NFL, you know, injury-wise, who's in, who's out, uh, based off of COVID, too, that we've kind of lost sight of the fact that, like, Kyler Murray hadn't played in a month. He, he legitimately did not play the entire month of November. The last time that we had seen him before this, uh, the Bears game two weeks ago, was against that the Green Bay Packers on that Thursday night game when they lost um, against the Packers, like third string wide receivers and stuff like that. Since uh, since Kyler coming back, he threw 15 balls against Chicago, which, okay, I, I don't know if you can make that much out of that. And then they lost the game against the uh, Los Angeles Rams when he threw two picks. And they really got into that game. They got back into that game 
late in the game. They had that late touchdown that seemed to come out of nowhere, and then they got the onside kick. So I know that game looks like they you know, ended the game with the ball in a one-score game. That game wasn't as close as, as that final box score looks like. Um, this is going to be interesting because Detroit can stop the run. If there's one thing that Detroit can do, like they'll rally up and tackle you. They've, they've made some good draft picks in terms of that. Um, they've made some good free agency signings. They're going to need to win this ball game by throwing the ball. And we're going to get a good look at like how healthy Kyler Murray is in this, even though it's against a you know one-win Lions team. Yeah, I mean, the Lions, I've talked about it this season. I, I feel like they're the most interesting one-win team or, or winless team for a majority of the year. They, they fight. I, they compete, yeah, man. Like, like, it's when, before they won that their first football game of the year, I kept looking at the Saints and being like, oh, yeah, they haven't won a football game because they were fighting every week. They were in these games every week and giving themselves a chance. Uh, James Conner has been a little bit banged up this week so you you do want to monitor that headed into this football game and it sounds like chase edmonds is possibly going to be available he was close to being activated off of injured reserve last week they decided to hold him out one more week just to make sure he's good to go but i I do think that if both of those players are available there is a little bit of upside and starting both of them but uh, again, I you're starting Kyler Murray, and I think Christian Kirk is the guy that's going to get the boost here. And Zach Ertz is a guy that you were kind of starting in your lineup every week anyways because tight end is just a wasteland, and you basically just hope for a touchdown. Um, our next matchup, the Denver Broncos taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think you should start any Denver Broncos pass catcher in your fantasy playoffs whatsoever. It's... You know, Teddy isn't exactly an exciting quarterback, but Jerry Judy, as much as I love him, love his talent. And, you know, moving forward, I would really like to see Denver go out and get a quarterback this offseason if Russell Wilson's available, possibly. Um, But Jerry Judy, since coming back from injury, has really ruined the upside of every pass catcher in this offense. And it's a decent matchup uh, against the Bengals team with their top cornerback was also placed on the COVID list this week. So he's likely going to be unavailable in this matchup, but Jerry Judy coming back has ruined the value of Noah fan of Cortland Sutton of Tim Patrick to the point where you cannot start a single one of these pass catchers. As far as I'm concerned now for the Bengals, you're, you're starting those guys because Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins are all lights out, all all fantasy high upside players. But as far as the Broncos go, I, I'm totally avoiding their offense outside of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I don't even really want to watch this game, to be honest. I understand both of these teams are in the playoff hunt. I don't think any either of them are like aesthetically pleasing to watch football. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not really I, I don't really like what the quarterbacks do. Um, on the field, I, I understand Burrow is, you know, getting efficient. I understand Jamar Chase, you know, is a great wide receiver. But we've talked about this offense before. Like their under center running offense and their their passing gun offense are like completely divorced. Um, I don't think either of these teams are good. I, I the the one thing I I would want to see in this game is like Burrow going against that Fangio style defense. Okay, I just want to see what it looks like. Outside of that. I am not interested in this game at all. Yeah, and you know Burrow's been great this season, but they have been frustrating to watch at times because they they just look like a young team who has some questionable play calling and, and management from their head coach at times. 
And Burrow turns the football over a lot. He takes a lot of chances, but he also throws a lot of interceptions. And so it's kind of hard to predict what you're going to get from these Bengals each and every week. But T Higgins has been lights out. You know, Jamar Chase is going to get opportunities at at touchdown. So you got to put those guys in. But yeah, it's I did not predict that Jerry Judy was just going to ruin the fantasy value for an entire offense when he returned. But that's basically what's happened for the Denver Broncos. So I'm benching Judy. I'm benching Cortland Sutton. I'm benching Tim Patrick. I'm benching Noah Fant. If you got Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, fire him up because those guys have been the best part of this offense all season long. But we do this each and every week to try to get you set up for your DraftKings lineups. I will give you one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver to try to get the best value out of your lineup. And then Justice will have his three favorite bets of the week. It's our pick three. Pick me! One, two, three. Pick one. On three. Pick three, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Pick three is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. I already mentioned him, and Justice didn't love it, but I told you guys I kind of like Ben Roethlisberger's value this week. He's only 5,600. It should be a favorable passing matchup against the Titans. They've been burned by opposing wide receivers all year long. And you know when Chase Claypool isn't wasting time at the end of football games, he's still a really talented pass catcher with some high upside. And we know Deontay Johnson is a stud who's like a lock for 10-plus targets. So I actually like Ben Roethlisberger this week at that price tag. And I think he's got a chance uh, to really turn things on here as the Pittsburgh Steelers are trying to sneak into the playoffs. So he's got multiple touchdowns in four of his last five games, and it feels like a good matchup. So I am putting Ben Roethlisberger in my lineup this week. My pick three running back, James Robinson. It's only $5,400. I know he's been a major letdown over the last couple of weeks. This is really about Urban Meyer being out. James Robinson's going to be one of the most chalk plays on DraftKings this week, I would have to imagine, because everybody's predicting this breakout game now that Daryl Bevel's calling the shots, Urban Meyer's out in Jacksonville. And you know what? I'm, I'm jumping aboard the train. I am going to help collectively force a James Robinson blow up game. It's a fantastic matchup against the Houston Texans. They just got absolutely torched on the ground by Rashad Penny. So I think James Robinson is going to have a monster game this weekend. I think they're absolutely going to feed him. And I think you absolutely have to get him into your lineup. My pick three wide receiver is Devonte Parker. The last time I told you guys to play Devonte Parker, he randomly got placed on injured reserve the following day. It was on a Saturday too. He like he practiced that week on Friday. I was like, oh, he set up for a great matchup and they've been looking at him a little bit more. He's been making some plays down the field. And then on Saturday, they put him on injured reserve and he was out for like a month. He is back now. Jalen Waddle, who has been an absolute stud, one of the biggest bright spots Uh, as far as rookie pass catchers go in the NFL this season, was placed on the COVID list. And that means that Parker's got a good chance of being to his top option in a good matchup against the Jets. The Dolphins were also dealing with all three of their running backs on the COVID list this week, but it sounds like Miles Gaskin is going to get cleared. It sounds like Salvin Ahmed is going to get cleared. So they'll have those guys available. 
I think all of that's playing into favor. The Jets are one of the worst teams in football, and the Dolphins are looking to try and stay hot. Parker is dirt cheap at only $4,300 on DraftKings. I think this sets up to be a very big Devontae Parker game, and I think you should absolutely get him into your lineup. Justice, your pick three bets of the week. My first one's going to be a little obvious, and I, I can't believe this line is is what it's at right now. Las Vegas Raiders, minus three and a half at Cleveland. I bet, uh, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, I bet Las Vegas already um, on Monday. I, I liked that matchup when everyone was healthy, and now that Cleveland is just getting ran through, um, I feel even better about the Raiders. I mean, the, the Browns are openly pandering on Twitter.com to not play the game. I feel like three and a half point the underdogs for a team that actively is saying they don't want to play a game while Nick Mullins is the starter <laughs> that there's value there. There has to be value there. Derek Carr might throw for a billion yards. I mean, short of Nick Chubb rushing for 180 yards. I, I can't see a way that the Cleveland Browns end up winning this game. And th- this is with Nick Mullins under center, the same Nick Mullins who, in actual like NFL throws was terrible in San Francisco. What he was able to do is he was able to do a lot of that play action stuff and they were able to kind of like keep the training wheels on him. But like if you're down this much firepower, I don't know how long those training wheels are staying on that bike, man. I I really don't. Um, My second game, Houston at Jacksonville, Jacksonville minus three and a half. One they get over the hump of Urban Meyer, right? And everyone seems to like uh, Daryl Bevel based off of all the comments they're saying. Like, he's he's the opposite of Urban Meyer. Okay, maybe they rally around him. I mean, this is – it's not like this team is, has no talent, you know, especially offensively. Um, James Robinson, you know, your pick three running back. I, I feel good about that, man, because, like, if Jacksonville gets a lead, I don't know if Houston has the firepower to come back. I mean, um, with, with Mr. Stanford, Davis Mills – at quarterback, I don't know how many games you like reasonably can be in contention for. I, I think this is going to be the showcase that might say, like, you know, Trevor Lawrence's rookie year, everyone's knocking him down, you know, a peg or two. Trevor Lawrence is getting this head to head matchup against David Mills, and he gets to show you why he's Trevor Lawrence and why Davis Mills is Davis Mills. Uh, my last pick, Green Bay minus six and a half at Baltimore. It just came out that, uh, you know, uh, Lamar isn't practicing this entire week, but Harbaugh is saying, you know, it might be a game time decision. Even if Lamar is banged up, Lamar limited on an ankle is a completely different quarterback than healthy Lamar Jackson. And Green Bay is a team that is 11 and two against the spread. My Green Bay Packers, I'm finally taking them. I just think Baltimore is entirely too banged up. There's a very real chance that, like, you look at their offensive line. You look at their their backfield. You look at the fact that uh, Chuck Clark, uh, their their last preferred starter uh, at safety in the secondary, just got placed on the COVID reserve. There's a good chance their entire backfield on both offense and defense is not playing in this game in terms of their preferred starters. And they're going against a Green Bay Packers team that might have an M- the MVP back to back at quarterback and a team that's you know. If, if, if not the favorites to win the Super Bowl and in, in Super Bowl contention and, and deep into Super Bowl contention. So you're giving me less than a touchdown. I'll, I'll take that one. As our pick three brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you guys so much for listening to NFL Reacts. 
do your best. Uh, try to navigate this ridiculous week across the NFL. Survive in advance. That's all that matters at this point in the season. Before we get out of here, we do have to ask that you please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. We're in the five-star business here, so please leave a kind five-star review, especially for NFL Reacts. Go win some money. Go win some matchups. Again, survive in advance. It's the fantasy playoffs. We'll talk to you next week.